is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The economy grew at 2% last quarter. In other words, the economy's not growing. Inflation is through the roof. Uh, we're not creating jobs. We're not filling jobs. We're never going to have a supply chain that works under these circumstances. And there they are. All over TV. Oh, the Democrats haven't struck a deal yet among themselves. Oh, it's $1.75 trillion. Like, that's, uh, you know, ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's, it's, like the, it's like a tiny amount of money, the way these people think. It's an enormous amount of money. They've already spent $6 trillion. And they have a $6 trillion budget waiting. So this would be on top of all of that. The gas prices, the food prices, I don't have to tell you, automobiles, used automobiles, everything. It's crazy. It's third world. Because that's how American Marxism works, and that's where the Democrat Party is. It's a disaster. And, of course, what they don't talk about on the TV news and elsewhere is what's in the bill. A lot of things are in the bill that even putting money aside, are going to destroy certain aspects of this society. That's a big deal. Now, ladies and gentlemen, former Governor Andrew Cuomo, who resigned in disgrace, accused of forcible touching in a criminal complaint. Albany, a criminal complaint filed by a police investigator with a court in Albany has accused former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of committing a misdemeanor sex crime, though there were reports that the document might have been submitted in error. The brief complaint filed by an investigator with the Albany County Sheriff's Office accused Cuomo of putting his hand under a woman's shirt on December 7, 2020. The document didn't name the woman, but Cuomo had been publicly accused of groping an aide, Brittany Camisso, at the executive mansion in Albany last year. Now, Joe Biden was accused of putting his hand up Tara Reid's dress 
and basically molesting her, raping her effectively. And there was no investigation. There was no investigation. The Albany County DA's office and Albany County Sheriff did not immediately return messages, but the Times Union of Albany quoted unnamed officials as saying the complaint had been issued prematurely by the court and that a final decision hadn't been made about whether Cuomo would face charges. Cuomo's lawyer and spokesperson didn't immediately return, blah, blah, blah. Comiso, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Comiso who was an executive assistant for Cuomo, says he reached under her shirt and fondled her when they were alone in a room at the governor's mansion in Albany late last year. She said Cuomo pulled her in for a hug as she prepared to leave the governor's office at the mansion. When she told him, you're, getting, you're, you're, you're going to get us in trouble, Cuomo replied, I don't care, and slammed the door shut, according to her account. She said Cuomo's... All right, I'm not going to read anymore. Grabbed her breast. Cuomo's denied it, of course. Now, if they're in a room and the door is shut, um, and they're alone, I'm, I'm just curious how you bring charges in a s- situation like that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm no Cuomo fan. And look, the fact is, there is a pattern with this guy, right? How many people have come forward, Rich? Like 10? A lot. Reminds me of the Bill Cosby situation. Not exactly, of course, but you go, wait a minute. Can all 412 people be lying? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, I want to move into what I was thinking about discussing, and therefore I shall. The race in Virginia, well, it appears that Youngkin has taken a slight lead. And Glenn Youngkin will be a guest on this program next hour. It appears that Youngkin has taken a slight lead, maybe five points in Virginia. The reason I'm hesitant to even bring it up is because the Democrats have a lead in early voting. I've seen the numbers. Which means Republicans, Democrats, we've had enough of the Democrats, independents, you've got to turn out and vote. Because the polls are meaningless. If you don't, that is, you're going to lose. So this is crucial. You've got to fight like you're behind all the time. And he may well be. Who knows what these polls are all about? But Terry McAuliffe was at a rally yesterday. Over and over again, he says critical race theory is a dog whistle for racists. It's a racist dog whistle. Why do they keep talking about this? Why do they keep bringing it up? Cut one, go. I am sick of them talking about these issues of critical race theory. We do not teach critical race theory here in Virginia. It has never been taught. It is a racist dog whistle. It is pitting parents against parents, parents against teachers, and they're using our children as political pawns, and it has got to stop. Well, we all know he's a liar, especially the voters, the citizens, the parents in the Commonwealth of Virginia, because they saw with their own two eyes and heard with their own two ears what was being taught. But to put the lie to this, remarkably enough, this morning, Virginia promotes book-telling teachers to embrace critical race theory, which McAuliffe says isn't being taught. Virginia's Department of Education, and that's under the control of the current Democrat governor, OKKK, the governor, is promoting a book that says, quote, teachers must embrace theories such as critical race theory. McAuliffe has said throughout his campaign, the radical ideology is not taught in Virginia schools. The department's website provides resources for its equity initiatives. This is Fox, which includes a tab titled What We Are Reading. 
The list comprised of resources the Equity Office recommends and references in its work includes books by anti-racist advocate, I wouldn't call him that, Ibram K. Kendi, an abolitionist teaching network co-founder, Bettina Love. These are radical leftists who push this racist ideology. Maybe we should send a copy of American Marxism to the Virginia Board of Education, Mr. Producer. Lastly, teachers must embrace, it says, theories such as critical race theory, settler colonialism, black feminism, disability, critical race studies, and the other critical theories that have the ability to interrogate anti-blackness. And Love wrote in, we want to do more than survive abolitionist teaching in the pursuit of educational freedom. This is one of the books being pushed by the Education Department in the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. The book was sixth on the Virginia Department's list and was also promoted in a March 2020 newsletter. While the inclusion isn't evidence that critical race theory is being taught in state schools, Love's book provides guidance for educators, stating that teachers need to question whiteness and do away with phrases like, work hard and be nice. Now, there's more than enough evidence that it's being taught. There's no question it's being taught. They're they're in the second phase of it being taught now. A second phase. McAuliffe has repeatedly said critical race theory is not taught in Virginia schools and has said his Republican opponent, Youngkin, uses contention surrounding racial identity to divide people. He previously said claims that critical race theory was being taught in Virginia schools was a right-wing conspiracy. No, it's a radical Marxist left-wing reality. Reality. The Virginia Department of Education's website said Ed Equity Virginia Initiative is focused on establishing equity targets, measuring equity outcomes, and implementing systemic policy and regulatory changes. My God. Have the nuts taken over. It also said an equity office within the department is charged with leading efforts to advance education equity, eliminate achievement gaps, and increase opportunity, and decrease disproportionality in student outcomes. So in other words... This is how they get rid of merit. This is how they get rid of, you know, top schools that teach top students and so forth. And this is how society dies. You dumb down the level to the dumbest level. Now, the equity program includes a variety of resources, including an audit tool used to determine whether a school is hitting certain standards. If, for example, (coughs) excuse me, if, for example, asks whether the student code of conduct includes an anti-racism statement, or if language was removed from the code that categorizes racial justice movements, black power, black lives matter, la raza, as racist, hate speech, or controversial. No, you can't do that. Now, at the top of its reading list, which included Love's book, the department states that the books are the resources of the Office of Equity and Community Engagement references in the development of our work, as well as texts we recommend. At the bottom, it states some of the links to the Ed Equity Virginia pages lead you to websites not associated with the Commonwealth of Virginia. The Department of Education does not necessarily endorse the views expressed or the data and facts presented on the external sites, and yet it, it links to them. And yet it links to And the same department that issues that says, we do not teach critical race theory when they were questioned by Fox News. Well, we don't teach it. He did not address questions, the spokes idiot, about whether the ideology is taught in schools or administrators incorporated into their policies. 
In addition to explicitly endorsing critical race theory, Love's book promotes other racially charged changes to the education system. She says teachers need to be taught how to question whiteness and white supremacy, how to check and deal with their white emotions of guilt and anger and how these all impact their classrooms. Teachers must demand the end of high-stakes testing and the yelling of slogans at dark children, such as knowledge is power, work hard, be nice, and no excuses, because all you need is grit. And Virginia isn't alone in its involvement with this book, by love. The Biden administration previously promoted a handbook published by an abolitionist teaching network, which is what she's involved in, the activist organization she helped co-found. The Federal Department of Education linked to the handbook, littered with language that appears to fall in line with critical race theory doctrine and its guidance on how public schools could spend coronavirus relief funding. Abolitionist teachers should build a school culture that engages in healing and advocacy. This requires a commitment to learning from students, families, educators who disrupt whiteness and other forms of oppression. And it goes on, I sure as hell hope you folks have gotten your copies of American Marxism and read it especially chapter 4, which deals with all this. Especially chapter 4 that deals with all this. This was discussed at length. It's been here on this program for over eight months. It's discussed at length in the book. Those of you who have the book or the, the audio version or the ebook version. And I'm hoping that parents groups all over the country acquire their copies. Acquire their copies, because this is not just happening in Virginia and Loudoun County, Virginia. This is happening all over the country. This is a national networked movement of this American Marxist movement on critical race theory. It is a Marxist movement, as you will know when you read chapter 4. And you can see that it is a racist movement. Gee, I wonder if any government-slash-public schools in our country are... Demanding that people read American Marxism. Don't hold your breath. As I said, uh, gubernatorial candidate Glenn Youngkin will be here next hour. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mike Chapman is the sheriff of Loudoun County. He's an excellent sheriff. You've heard me criticize some of the deputies because of what took place at that one event uh, with, uh, with Mr. Smith and another gentleman. But Mike Chapman, I've known him for some time, is a good guy. And he runs a good department. 
And I'd heard on the grapevine that he was very concerned about what the deputies had done. Now we know. Again, Fox News. Loudon documents show sheriff's frustration with school board treatment of residents. He complained that the school board was asking law enforcement to clean up its mess. Again, broken by Fox. New documents obtained by Fox shed light on apparent conflict and frustration Loudon law enforcement had with the school board, including a complaint that the board should have let residents speak at an explosive meeting on June 22. Remember that one on video, folks? Well, apparently the sheriff didn't much like what the school board had done and didn't much like what his deputies had done and put his foot down. Emails also show the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office rejecting what it said were extraordinary security requests, including an explosive sweep and undercover presence by the superintendent for future school board meetings. The documents were initially obtained via public records requests from Fight for Schools PAC. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, Chapter 7 in American Marxism has really, has really been effective, hasn't it, Rich? Freedom of Information Request, which has been fighting the school district's equity initiatives. In an August 6 email, Superintendent Scott Ziegler, this guy's a reprobate, requested multiple deputies, a five-person quick reaction force, he said, undercover deputies at the administrative building, a special operations team on standby, and several other provisions. Sheriff Mike Chapman responded that same day by arguing that Ziegler's requests were extraordinary, given that the Loudoun County School Board had already set up several security measures of its own. According to Chapman, that included 10 armed security personnel and magnometers uh, for entering people entering the building. Chapman wrote, your request is extraordinary, would likely constitute um, the, uh, the sheriff's commitment of a minimum of approximately 65 sworn deputies. Despite this, you failed to provide any justification for such a manpower-intensive request. And Chapman confirmed to Fox News that he bolded the words extraordinary and any justification in the email for emphasis. In his email response to Chapman, Jiggler said he was surprised by Chapman's reaction to our request as it mirrors the resources and support provided on June 22. A letter from August also details a phone call in which Chapman purportedly defended his decision not to provide additional security. Notes provided by Loudoun County Public Schools show that Chapman thought the school board was asking the sheriff's office to clean up what he apparently thought was a mess. He thought what they were doing to the parents and the public was outrageous, making them stand outside, one-minute speeches, shutting them down, saying they were trespassing. So he said, you know what? I'm not giving you support. So we salute Sheriff Chapman. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. In Texas, a parent, parent physically assaulting a teacher, ripping off her mask, and it goes on and on and on. These are not routine people incensed or angry. These are people who are acting out their feelings in a violent manner over and over again. The same people we see on airplanes and other places, the same people, some of whom we saw here on January 6th. So when you responded as quickly as you did to that school board request, did you have second thoughts after they sent a follow-up letter saying they didn't agree with their original premise in their first letter? Senator, I think all of us have seen these reports of violence and threats of violence. That is what the Justice Department is concerned about. That was little Dick Durbin of Illinois. 
the number two Democrat in the Senate, comparing parents who are law-abiding but have signs and are vociferous to people who are physically abusing each other. That's how they view you. They view you as militia. They view you as neo-Nazis, as Klansmen. That's what the Democrat Party thinks of you. That's what Terry McAuliffe thinks of you. And Virginia needs to send a message. I don't care what party you're in. You cannot vote for McCullough for that team. You need to send a message throughout this country that these schools belong to the communities, not to the Democrat Party, not to the radical elements in the Democrat Party, not to the teacher union thugs, the educational bureaucrats, the, uh, the pernicious school boards in many cases, and these superintendents. They belong to the community. They're not called NEA schools. They're not called AFT schools. They're not called Democrat Party schools. They're called public schools. They belong to the public. And the people who are raising hell at these school board meetings, not one of them has come in with a Molotov cocktail that I'm aware of. Not one of them. Not one of them has set fire to an elementary school or a middle school or a high school that I'm aware of. Not one of them. Not one of them has torched police cars or security vehicles outside the buildings or thrown frozen water bottles or aimed lasers into the eyes of school board members and so forth and so on. That would be Black Lives Matter and Antifa and other reprobates who supported uh, Joe Biden for president and are part of the Democrat militia wing, in my humble opinion. These parents and other citizens who are protesting at these schools are not mostly peaceful. They're entirely peaceful. It's just that, it's just that this monopoly doesn't like the fact that parents, taxpayers have awakened to what's taking place. And it is crucially important that in the state of Virginia, and by the way, the state of New Jersey and other places, that people turn out and vote. Polls are not enough. Oh, the poll shows that Youngkin's leading. Good. But if you don't vote on election day, he loses. Because the Democrats vote often, and they vote early. So if there isn't a massive army of patriots who support our school, uh, excuse me, who support parents in our school systems, and have had enough of this racism being taught, and literal anti-Americanism being taught, Marxism being taught, then we lose. And um, I will tell you now that Terry McAuliffe is preparing to try and steal the election. McCullough spends big and final days on sanctioned lawyer who sued to overturn Iowa House race. Remember this guy, Mark Elias, that I've told you about? Remember how he went into state after state after state? How they used dark money to change the election laws for the 2020 election? Guess who just hired this, this reprobate? Terry McCullough. Mark Elias has a long history of representing Democrats in high-profile election matters, Ron Blitzer writes for Fox News. Virginia Democrat uh, gubernatorial candidate McAuliffe's campaign has made a late-game push before the election, spending nearly $60,000 on a high-profile attorney known for representing Democrats and masterminding some election-related legal challenges. How do you think Al Franken got into the Senate? This was his lawyer. They stole that race from Norm Coleman. Remember Norm Coleman, the senator from Minnesota? 
Less than a month before the end of McAuliffe's race against Yunkin, records show the Democrats' campaign spent almost $54,000 on the services of Elias Law Group, a new firm started earlier this year by Mark Elias, the infamous. Elias's name has been linked to Democrats running for office for years, as he was previously a partner at the law firm Perkins Coie. It's the same firm that was hired by the Democrat Party in Hillary Clinton's 26th campaign, and it was Elias who was involved in bringing the Fusion GPS to conduct opposition research on Trump. He was the bagman. And that included Christopher Steele's dossier. And he founded the firm in August, Elias did it this year, after leaving Perkins Coy. And he's backed by heavy amounts of dark money. Several months earlier in March, a judge ordered sanctions against Elias in a case where he represented Democrats challenging a Texas law, barring straight ticket voting going into the 2020 election. Elias and other attorneys had filed a motion in the case in February without mentioning that they had already filed what the court called a nearly identical motion in September 2020 that had been denied. So they just basically filed the same motion to try and slow down the election processes and to try and get a different opinion from the court. Sleazy as hell. That's what they are. Their judge called for sanctions against Elias and his colleagues. The court said the attorneys are also encouraged to review the applicable section of the model rules of professional conduct. And just days later, House Republicans accused Elias of having a serious conflict of interest when he represented Iowa Democratic candidate Rita Hart in her effort to overturn the results of her extremely narrow loss to Republican Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks. GOP members, House Administration Committee said Elias had a conflict because he and Perkins Coie also represented Half the Democratic committee members would be deciding the case. Fox reached out to McAuliffe's campaign, but they did not immediately respond. Elias' former colleague, Michael Sussman, has now been indicted on criminal charges for allegedly lying to the FBI. So you can see the sleaziness here. Now McAuliffe has brought that into Virginia. Into Virginia. This is very important to understand. So they're going to try and steal the election. The same guy, McAuliffe, who said that Bush was illegitimate in the 2000 election because he stole it from Gore. The same guy, McAuliffe, in 2016 that said, actually Hillary won. Remember, he was the bag man for the Clintons. And Trump had lost, stole the election, Russia collusion. Now, of course, if you dare to raise questions about 2020, oh, you must be a nut, a white supremacist. But of course... Why else would McAuliffe hire this, this hitman? This legal hitman who's been sanctioned. And so, Yunkin and the others on his uh, slate of candidates on the ballot, they need to win and they need to win big. They need to have a big enough margin where none of this will matter. That's what needs to happen. So you're trashed by Dick Durbin. You're trashed by Terry McAuliffe, who says, none of you parents, and by that he doesn't mean just parents, grandparents, taxpayers, you have no say in what goes on in these schools. If they're going to teach critical race theory, and you heard what I read, which is what they intend to do, then deal with it. If they're going to teach transgenderism as an ideology, then deal with it. If they're going to cover up rapes, then deal with it. God knows what's going on in these schools, quite frankly. You need a school board that is going to oversee and get involved in what's taking place, not just be a rubber stamp 
to the NEA and the AFT, the educational bureaucrats, the superintendent. No, you need a school board that's going to oversee what's taking place, ask questions about curricula, ask questions about what's being opposed on the, on the students. That is what you need. Not a bunch of ideological morons sitting on the board pushing their ideology. And there was a school board meeting the other night in Loudoun County, Virginia. And let's listen to some of what some of the people said. Cut three, go. Can't believe I'm about to say this, but a week and a half ago, a member of this school board stepped up and did the right thing. And now you all don't have your human What he means shield. is she resigned. Go ahead. And arrows. So the spotlight of accountability turns to you. And nowhere does that spotlight burn brighter than you, Chairwoman Sheridan. You are the leader of this school board. You have been for two years. You have overseen the worst public body in the country. And the buck stops with you. You knew when Superintendent Ziegler got up there and lied, that wasn't a misunderstanding. And you said nothing. And you did nothing to keep the kid out of schools. And I know you all think that we're done with Miss Bartz, so we're done. But here's the message. The truth will come out, justice will prevail, and we will see you in court. It's our buddy Ian Pryor. Now a mother at the Loudoun County School Board meeting. Cut four, go. Most alarming, this past spring, my daughter was cast in a play, which was to be performed in front of our community, where four adults met up to have group sex. Neither the principal nor the teacher followed policy 8610, and my daughter was exposed to content that greatly traumatized her. I reached out to Mr. Sorotkin for his help, and he assured me he would, do, he would take care of it. I never heard back. Is anyone on this board concerned about the safety of our children? If not, resign. They all get one minute, you see. Another mother, Loudoun County School Board meeting. Cut five, go. I am asking you guys, if you have any shred of decency, to go ahead and vote to remove from the NSBA. I'm also going to ask for all of your guys' resignations. On top of that, I'm also going to ask for the resignation of the state superintendent, James F. Lane, and Viola Garisa, who also set up to send a letter to the NSBA trying to stop us parents from going forward. I have three children in this district, okay? My oldest goes with her friends and they do buddy trips to the bathroom. This is what you have caused through your lack of inaction and protection. Disgusted with all of you. And a father, go. I expected more honesty and integrity out of the people sitting up on this uh, dais. Every single one of you should be ashamed. Scott Ziegler, you're the highest paid employee in the county. I think you should live up to the position. We've asked and asked and asked and asked for transparency and dialogue and discussion. We've asked for a town hall. Obviously, there's reasons why you don't want to have a town hall, because you don't want to answer the tough questions. I implore you all to next week sit up here, face the hard questions, answer from the citizens, the parents, the relatives of those of the county and the children. I expect you guys to be able to handle hard questions. And if you're not willing to do so, you shouldn't be sitting up there. And to Denise Corbo, fly in from your remote location, wherever that is, and be in here in person. You're elected officials. Act like it. 
Raise the freaking bar and have some integrity, all of you. Wow, they sound dangerous, don't they, Mr. Producer? One more. Cut seven, another father. Go. This is my first time speaking at a school board meeting, but I can no longer remain silent. I have four young daughters, the oldest of which just entered Loudoun County Public Schools. I'm extremely concerned about the sexual assaults which occurred. A school should be a safe place for children to come, not a place for the highest levels of leadership of the school district to cover up what happens in the district. Let me get this straight. A high school student sexually assaults another student, and the penalty is to move him to another school with an ankle brace. That's lunacy. What is also lunacy is lying to the victim's father in a public meeting about it, and then he's the one that gets in trouble. That is calling good evil and evil good. Your policies are contributing to creating an unsafe environment in the schools. I do not want boys in my daughter's bathrooms. I do not want boys on my daughter's sports teams. How can I, as a father, trust you as a superintendent and you as a school board to keep my daughter safe at school? Why would I want to entrust you with all of our daughters once they become school age? The answer is I can't. Dr. Ziegler, I ask you to resign, and all the board members, I ask you to resign as well. Virginia, you have an opportunity to send a message to the entire educational bureaucracy, to the critical race theory scholars, phony scholars, and to the entire country and Democrat Party. You have an opportunity. Don't blow it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. started writing this book how long ago now a year and a half ago more than that and I delved into chapter four which is actually the first chapter I wrote starting off with critical race theory nobody was talking about critical race theory except Mike Gonzalez at Heritage and Chris Rufo I believe he's with the Manhattan Institute but in any event that's pretty much it and uh and then I started talking about it at great length, having done the research that I did. Now it's everywhere. Do you know why it's everywhere? Because of you. At school board meetings, wherever you go, because of you. 1.1 million copies of this book sold, or audio, or what have you. And it's completely ignored by the phony intelligentsia. Because they have to ignore it. Because it's their Achilles heel. And I want to thank those members of Congress, there's a handful now, who are using the word Marxists. That's what we're dealing with. And they're brave to use it, but that's the word. Chapter 4, American Marxism, the first sentence. The foundational question, what is critical theory from which these other critical theory Marxist movements sprang? And right from there, we jump into critical race theory. The history of critical theory... The philosophy behind these movements, who was responsible for them, and how it turned into critical race theory, how it wound up in our colleges and universities, how it's now wound up in our politics, and my God, in our elementary schools and middle schools and high schools. It's all right there. It's all right there because 1.1 million of you have even either listened to the audio or have read the book. And are familiar with it, attending school board meetings and speaking out. God bless each and every one of you. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877 candidate, Republican in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, is scheduled to call in in about 15 or 20 minutes. We don't have their number. They have ours, so we're, we're hoping that works. Sometimes in the past, candidates get caught up in these event, their events and, and forget, but we're hoping he doesn't. Uh, we reach throughout the state of Virginia and obviously throughout the country with the second largest radio show in America, probably in the world. I don't think they have conservative talk radio or news talk in most other countries. Certainly don't. Yeah, North Korea, they like uh, MSNBC. They're particularly hung up on the uh, morning schmo show. They think it's fantastic. They would. And he probably is uh, doing the show just for them. Now, remember what critical race theory is. What is it? What's the history of it? The history of it, again, it's in Chapter 4, but I'm not going to read from it. I'm just going to discuss it with you. It comes out of something called critical theory. Critical theory was a theory developed by, among others, communists at the uh, Frankfurt School. And it is a theory that was developed that suggests that all law is really illegitimate because all law reinforces the dominant culture. Reinforces those already in power. So critical theory, notice again the word theory, argues that, and again this is a thumbnail sketch, that all law is not just, that all law is not legitimate, that all law is not civil, because, again, it is used by the existing power structure, the dominant power structure, to reinforce and uphold the society that it has created and that it rules over. Well, among others, a gentleman by the name of Herbert Marcuse escaped Nazi Germany came to the United States. He was a communist, a Marxist, part of the Frankfurt School, although he was never in Frankfurt, he was in Heidelberg, regardless. And um, he started to stir things up. He became a tenured professor, three different Ivy League schools, and he developed... First of all, he was confounded. He was upset. He said, I don't understand. And he was struggling with it. First of all, why Hitler was able to to overtake after the Weimar Republic and not communism? It was something that confounded him. He was also concerned that Marx had suggested that the Industrial Revolution would also result in the proletariat, the people rising up and overthrowing the government and so forth. Instead, the Industrial Revolution did the opposite. As we've talked about before, created a massive middle class. People who go to war to protect this country and its economic system and our liberty. So that bothers the Marxists too. So they can't seem to rally 
a significant percentage of the population to their cause. So what did they do? They aimed their cause, among other things, at minorities. Marcuse in particular. Marcuse in particular. He thought originally the revolution might come here from the masses. He was a iconic figure with the new left. You know, people who became uh, extraordinarily violent. He believed in violence if necessary. The people who Obama surrounded himself, domestic terrorists. And he preached the overthrow of the country. And he thought in the 1960s that people would rally, but he saw that people didn't rally. And so he began to think, there are other ways to do it. If we can upset or project the attitudes and the beliefs and the problems of minority communities, of poor people and so forth, that might work. The baton was picked up by a guy by the name of Derek Bell. He was a professor of law at Harvard. And he started to develop critical theory as a race issue. Critical race theory. He always felt that he was uh, looked down upon, that he didn't succeed in academia, although he was relatively successful, but that his scholarship was not embraced. In fact, he was viewed as a real whack job by many, including Thomas Sowell, with this fringe ideology he was developing, or expanding on, critical race theory. Taking this notion of law existing for those who dominate the power to the argument that this society exists for the dominant race. White people. And so, again, he was a Marxist. Marcuse was a Marxist. Most of the professors promoting this are Marxists. And this is in the 1970s. So he's promoting critical race theory, particularly in law schools, as a Marxist approach, an Americanized Americanized Marxist approach to seize on the past imperfections of society or anybody's imperfections, anybody's resentment, jealousies, anger, and create a theory around it, the theory being critical race theory. That this society, that the law and the society, that its constitution, even Supreme Court decisions addressing civil rights, even Martin Luther King, we're all wrong. All they're doing is perpetuating the white dominant society. The white dominant society where white supremacy is, has been and is being enshrined. And so we must destroy this white dominant or white supremacy, this notion of this society. And this is something that was picked up in colleges and universities not too long ago, about 10, 12 years ago. And now you can see it's being pushed by the teachers' unions, by the Democrat Party, in our public school classrooms at a very, very, very young age. It's called indoctrination. It's called propaganda. It's called brainwashing. 
This is why you see Black Lives Matter. The founders say that they're Marxists. But they embrace critical race theory. All the monuments have to come down. All the books have to be burned. The Democrat Party's all in. Moving monuments from Capitol Hill. Joe Biden signing executive orders enshrining this racist theory. And so until this society adopts an Americanized form of Marxism, it will always be an unjust, white-dominant society that oppresses all other races and ethnicities. And if you're a minority who supports and loves this country and have fought for this country, you're no different. In fact, you're worse. You're part of the problem. This is why black conservatives, Hispanic conservatives, Asian conservatives go down the are really detested. They need to be part of this critical race theory and of the Marxist movement to overthrow the country. To overthrow the system. And the only way you can overthrow the system is to embrace what? Marxism. And this is what I explain in chapter 4 and what I explain in chapter 1. Oppressed versus the oppressor. If you're white, you're an oppressor. Even if you personally aren't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the most righteous human being on the face of the earth and you happen to be white. That's not good enough. And they'll tell you, it's not about you personally. It's about whiteness generally. So there's no winning. There's no debate. And this is why I've called this Louis Farrakhan basically dressed up as some kind of an intellectual theory. Louis Farrakhan would agree with every aspect of critical race theory, and that's what your children are being taught. Overthrowing the white dominant culture and society, promoting racism and segregation, because America can never get rid of its past. That's critical race theory. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, actually, we have a Republican gubernatorial candidate in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, with us. How are you, sir? I'm great, Mark, and I just want to thank you for having me with you. It's a real honor, and we're out campaigning. We're on day six of a 10-day bus tour. We got a ton of momentum in this campaign, and, and we're about to, we're about to make a big statement on behalf of Virginia and America. You know, I've noticed you've tried to run and have mostly run a very, very positive campaign, and your opponent keeps running these negative, negative hit ads on you, trying to create you into something that you're actually not. You think that's going to work? No, I don't. And in fact, Virginians recognize this clearly. I, you know, at the end of the day. Terry McAuliffe versus Glenn Youngkin, he's not going to win. And so he's doing everything he can to just run against a made-up candidate. And he's bringing everybody who's ever held office or even ran and lost as a Democrat across America in to try to get the spotlight off of his failed record. And the fact is Virginians are rejecting his his big government control approach. I mean, he, he's telling parents he doesn't want them involved in their kids' education. He's going to try to force everybody to join the union. He, he, he wants people to get fired for not getting the vaccine, and then he doesn't want him to collect unemployment. 
I mean, this is just absolutely big government control against individual freedom in Virginia right now. And what is his tax plan? His tax plan is to raise taxes. He's put together a, a he's, it's what he does. He's, I mean, look what, look what, look what his, look what his team is doing. I mean, he's the godfather of the modern Democratic Party. And look what they're doing. They're, they're taxing spend recklessly. Uh, they're, 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 and he's going to do the same thing in Virginia. He's got a plan that will cost Virginians $16 billion, $5,400 per Virginia family. We're going to bring taxes down in Virginia because we know it belongs to Virginians. It's not Terry McAuliffe's money. It's the people's money, and I'm going to give it back to them. Quality education is your number one issue, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's, become, it's become so clear that, that Virginia schools, and particularly we've watched Loudoun County be ground zero, where parents, by the way, Mark, in Virginia, parents have a legal right. It's in our code. They have a right to have a, they have a fundamental right to make decisions with, their, with regards to their children's education. And Terry McAuliffe doesn't believe that. He wants to put government between parents and their children. And we've watched Loudoun County parents stand up for their kids for the last 20 months to keep our schools open, get them open, please, to make sure that they're teaching our children how to think and not what to think, to, to just be transparent on materials that are being used. And, and Loudoun County's uh, school board has time after time after time just not listened to parents and, and demonstrated clearly that they think government control is better than parental control and Parents across Virginia are standing up and saying, not here anymore. We're in charge of our children's lives. And, you know, we've seen this in uh, Fairfax County, the biggest county in, uh, in Virginia. We see this, uh, the, the state education department just uh, issued a bunch of guidance with uh, some of the most radical authors, radical books imaginable. You have Terry McAuliffe saying critical race theory is a racist uh, dog whistle. Well, that racist dog whistle is coming from a Democrat administration, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And by the way, Mark, the bill that Terry vetoed, that bill which would give parents just full transparency on what's being taught, so if there was something unacceptable to a parent, they could ask for a replacement, that bill was supported by 20 Democrats, 18 Democrats, 14 of which were part of the Virginia Black Caucus. I mean, so Terry McAuliffe is calling the members of the Black Caucus racist. I mean, this is how out of bounds he is right now as he watches the sun setting on his 43-year political career. And, oh, by the way, the left liberal progressive Democrats see the sun setting on their agenda. Government control is being rejected in Virginia, and we're doing it not only on behalf of Virginians, but on behalf of the whole country. You know, uh, they talk about uniting Biden and McAuliffe. It appears at the polls I'm looking at, you really are uniting people, Republican Party, the base independents, and Democrats who've had enough of this radicalism. Isn't that what it shows? Absolutely. That's exactly what it shows. I mean, we're winning independents by nearly 20 points. Democrats are, wa- Democrats are walking over and joining us in droves. And it's because the basic principle of big government control is just being rejected. And, and Virginians just recognize it's not parties anymore. This is about individual decisions about our lives. Who's going to be in control of our children? Do I have to join a union or not? Well, I may not want to. What, what, if, what if I don't want my taxes to go up and I have no say? You're just going to raise them. You're going to raise them anytime you want. And then now Virginia's become a high-tax state. It used to be a low-tax state. Virginians are rejecting full out. And this is, the, this is the most wonderful thing to be part of. I feel honored 
this is Terry McAuliffe and big government against Virginia. And Virginians are going to win. And I just feel so honored to be part of it. Uh, Glenn Youngkin, the thing is, uh, polls show you uh, really starting to, to pop here. And, uh, but the fact is, if people don't vote, the polls don't mean anything, do they? No, that's exactly right. And so we've been working hard to get, get the vote out across Virginia. You know, the intensity level with, with our team is really, really high. And, and, oh, by the way, the intensity level with my opponent's team is, is just absolutely tired and asleep. And you can see it in early voting. I mean, he just doesn't have anybody showing up. You, you see pictures of the, of the events he's holding. There's nobody there. I mean, we have people basically falling out the windows and the doors everywhere we go. And uh, there's just no intensity on his side, and everybody is really excited about what we're doing. Again, it's not me. It's not about the candidate. It's about the movement right now. And we're going we're, we're gonna to win not only our statewide races. I fully expect for us to take back control in our House of Delegates. And, Mark, we're going to win local races all over Virginia. School board races, big time. And people recognize school boards matter, supervisory board races, sheriff races. We've had four sheriffs switch parties and become Republicans during this time period. And this is a wholesale rejection of the left liberal progressive agenda. I think you've really caught fire. You've really caught the attention, not just in uh, Virginia, the people, but nationwide. The Democrats thought they were going to roll you. Uh, now they're running scared. I just hope the people of Virginia turn out in mass, an army of patriots turn out on election day. It's very, very important. It's not enough to sit back and hope and expect everybody else to do it. 20 seconds left, sir. What would you like to close with? Mark, first of all, thank you for that. Our democracy is not a spectator sport. We've got to get in and make it happen. And we are going to win this. We have people all over America with us. They've been coming to our website at youngkinforgovernor.com. And they're for Virginia. And so it's time for Virginians to walk and walk with that spirit of, of Washington and Jefferson and Madison. Hey. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Well, it's live and national here, and you know, campaigns need to be a little flexible when you have a candidate on, and he's in great demand, Glenn Youngkin. And he he sounds incredibly enthusiastic, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? This is the first office he's ever run for. He's a self-made man, um, and, uh, you know, none of the cutting corners like uh, Terry McAuliffe and so forth. And uh, he's financed a lot of his campaign, which he had to, because a lot of dark Democrat money pours into these states like this one. And so um, we'll see how it goes. And the other candidates running, too. Uh, Sears, who's running for lieutenant governor, and uh, Miaris, who's running for uh, attorney general. Fantastic candidates. I mean, they really have uh, done quite a job here, so we'll see how it goes. But again, any of you states, any folks who have elections coming up, the polls are only as good as the votes. So you've got to turn out and vote. It's very, very important. Can you imagine on a Hanukkah, you know, you get eight gifts or so forth. There's the first gift. It's a gift subscription to Levin TV. Perfect. Perfect. No supply chain problems whatsoever. 
And it's 89 bucks. It's better than a dinner or anything else and lasts the entire year. Then the next gift, Mr. Producer. A copy of American Marxism. Now, you all know any patriot out there who receives these two gifts, among others you might provide, they're going to love them. They're going to love it. They're going to oh, you know what I like. I can't thank you enough. And the two together. The subscription's 89 bucks. The book is a little over 16 bucks. That's it. So I think you'll enjoy both. I know you will enjoy both. And I know. Well, let me put it to you this way. You ever watch TV and you feel like throwing a shoe at it? Or you feel like shooting the TV? I don't recommend that, by the way. Or if you're eating popcorn, you feel like throwing the butt. You, you get the point. Well, get Levin TV. You don't have to do that. On the Blaze TV network. It's LevinTV.com. L-E-V-I-N-TV.com. 89 bucks for the whole year. You know what cable costs? Anywhere from 100 depending on how many TVs and what subscription you have, to $400 a month. Ours is 89 bucks for the whole year. And you got a lot of great shows. Did I mention mine? Yes, a lot of great shows. And let me ask you this question. What can you get for $6.80 today? $16, I should say. $16.80 today. What can you get? Right now you can get two Big Macs. You fill up your car, it's 100 bucks. Well, American Marxism, and it's filled with a lot of information. And it's pertinent. You know, I'm not talking about the Peloponnesian Wars. It's pertinent. So I hope you'll check out both. I really do. Man, oh man, Oshevitz, I got more to do here. More to cover, Mr. Producer. We have fantastic audio on top of everything else. Let's get to this spending stuff. Oh, $1.75 trillion. Are you fooled by this? First of all, that's an enormous amount of money on top of the $6 trillion they've already spent and the $6 trillion budget they want to pass. Are you fooled by the $1.7 trillion? It's an enormous amount of money. But it's what's in the budget that matters. It's what's in the budget. It's utterly fiscally outrageous. And they keep saying it pays for itself. And they keep saying it won't cost you a dime. Just remember, these are the people who've driven up the cost of your food, your transportation, your fuel. These are the people who are making it harder and harder to find toilet paper. Now they want to nationalize through the back door, one industry after another, one cultural issue after another. Really? Well, Biden just flew off for a big meeting in Europe where he's going to make an ass out of himself. And among other things, he wants to push taxes, a global tax on corporations. Now, when you have 2% GDP in a quarter and you have 195,000 people, jobs created, uh, I mean, uh, getting jobs last month, which is what? That's four per state. Uh, Excuse me, that's uh, 4,000 per state. 4,000 per state. That's nothing to uh, celebrate. So what do we do in this country that works? What did John Kennedy do? What did Ronald Reagan do? What did Donald Trump do? They relied on the private sector. They empowered the private sector. 
by limiting the power of that which they oversee, the federal government, by controlling spending, by unleashing the regulations and the taxes that were devouring the private sector. That's how you build the private sector. We do not have a climate change emergency. It's called the Four Seasons. We don't have a climate emergency. These idiots can't tell the weather one day to the next, and yet they can predict the climate 10 years from now. Nobody can do that. None of them. None of them. These are the same idiots who don't believe that they're going to create an even bigger debt when they deficit spend. Here's Joe Biden. Cut nine. Go. As I said before, these plans are fiscally responsible. They are fully paid for. They just lie and lie and lie through his yellowing dentures. Go ahead. They don't raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Let's stop there for a second. He's already raised your taxes, ladies and gentlemen. He's already done it through inflation. He's already raised the cost of living through inflation. That's a tax. When you tax a production facility, it adds the cost onto the product that they're producing and selling to you. Whether it's a pizza, whether it's an automobile, whether it's a home, whatever it is, the end user, the consumer, has to pay the difference. They're driving up costs all around you. When you fill up your car or your truck, you see it. When you go to the grocery store and you buy meat or chicken or bottle of wine, I don't drink, but you understand, even ketchup, which I love, the prices are through the roof. Have you driven through a fast food takeout lately, a McDonald's or a Burger King or anything? You get a Big Mac with big fries and a big soda. It's almost $9. It's almost $9. That's because you're in New York. Mr. Producers was 12. Now, as much as people attack fast food, do you know how many people need fast food to subsist? Because it used to be quick and cheap. Now it's slow and expensive. This all happened in the last 10 months. The last 10 months. So your salaries aren't going up like this. Some of you are losing your jobs because the government has put the shoulder on these corporatists to fire you. Or mayors are firing their police forces and their, and their firefighters, first responders. 2% GDP growth, 2%. And we're firing people. That wasn't the case in the last months of the Trump administration. The economy was exploding in growth and opportunity. People were getting thrilled. They were out and about. It's the Trump administration and the president himself that drove the development of three vaccines and therapeutics. This guy... There's no new vaccines, no new therapeutics. 
Mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. This is their medical advice. Wear a mask. And they don't even wear their masks. They're not spending fiscally responsibly. Since when has a Marxist done that? This isn't paid for, ladies and gentlemen. The fact that he has to keep lying over and over again, and the other Democrats lie over and over again, and their media lie for them over and over again, should demonstrate to you that this is a monumental falsehood. It is a lie. They think you're stupid. They think you're dumb. And you should just pay for everything. Illegal immigrants coming into the country receiving benefits, too bad. Critical race theory being taught in your schools, despite the fact you pay enormous amounts in property taxes. For some of you, that's your biggest tax in order to keep your home, the luxury of having a home that you paid for. And you're told, just pay and stay out of our schools, mind your own business. You're told, even if you have natural immunity and antibodies because you had the virus, and Professor Risch told us 70% of the American people have had it probably, that you have to be vaccinated no matter what, or you're going to lose your job? That's not science. That's tyranny. Particularly when illegal immigrants are coming in here, unknown getaways, most of whom have some form of disease or another. Tuberculosis, measles, coronavirus. And they want more power. These people don't live by the rules they impose on you. They don't live by the rules they impose on you. I'll be right back. Mark in. Let's move to 12, Mr. Producer. We have De- uh, Debbie uh, Dingleberry, isn't that her name? Uh, the uh, Wasn't she married to that guy? What was his name? Her husband used to hold this seat. And his father held the seat. Ah, the memories. The Dingleberries. Well, she was on CNN today. Cut 12. Go. I think one of the, um, uh, one of the uh, challenges... Uh, is this morning when the president is expected to come to our Democratic caucus at 9 o'clock, is nobody knows, and I'm not even sure the speaker knows, what's in the bill, what's out, what the revenue sources are going to be. Oh, I don't know what's in the bill, and I don't know what the revenue sources are going to be. But Joe Biden today said this. Cut 11, go. I ran for president saying it was time to reduce... Because the burden on the middle class. Why has he reduced the burden on you folks in the middle class? No. He's pushed you to the edge. Go ahead. The backbone of this nation, working people and the middle class. I couldn't have been any clearer from the very moment I announced my candidacy. That's why I wrote these bills in the first place. And he took didn't write a damn thing. He can't even read the damn bills. What did Debbie Dingleberry just say? Nobody knows what's in the bill because the bill hasn't been written. And then this clown says he wrote the bills. That's why I wrote the bills. 
That's why I wrote to you, where, where am I? What am I doing here? No questions, they'll get mad at me. Where am I going? I Go ahead. I campaigned on that. And the American people spoke. This agenda, the agenda that's in these bills, is what 81 million Americans voted for. Uh, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. And you don't know what's in the bill, and you didn't write the bills. And we're all still sitting around waiting for all the details. Oh, no, we have a framework. I don't want a framework. I don't even know what the hell that means. Framework? Framework, is that the name of a framery minister? Hey, we're at the frameworks over here. No, I don't think so. This guy, he can't even put his left foot and right foot, one in front of the other anymore. When I wrote the bills, uh, one of the bills is like... uh, 2,400 pages long. Does anybody believe he wrote the bill? Yeah, I just wrote the, you know, wrote it. Uh, And he campaigned on this. No, he didn't. He campaigned as a so-called moderate. But nonetheless, even Debbie Dingleberry, look up Dingle. We've got to find out what the husband's name was, Mr. John! John Dingleberry, that's right. And his father's name was John Dingleberry Sr., I think. What's that congressman's name in northern Virginia, in northern Jersey? I can never get his name right. Gottheimer Schmidt. You know that song? John Jacob Gottheimer Schmidt. His name is my name too. Whenever we go out, people want to shout. John Jacob Gottheimer Schmidt. Is that his name? Yes, okay. But Debbie Dingleberry just said, nobody knows what's in the bill. I'm not even sure the speaker knows what's in the bill, what the revenue sources are going to be. We don't know. Uh, I, uh, I wrote the bill. I can't play with it. They wrote it for me. And yet they cut us out of the process. No committee hearings. They don't lay the bill out so you and I and millions and millions of Americans can determine what's in it. People are sick and tired of this, this guy. They can't stand him anymore. They know he's a buffoon. They know he's a liar. The radicals in the Democrat Party are, are you know, pushing this agenda. Did we vote for AOC and Presley and Baker and uh, Schmaker and Bush and Ru- Rudolph? No. Did we vote for them? I didn't. Did you? No. Did we vote for Nancy, San Francisco, Eva Pelosi? No, we didn't. How about Schmucky Schumer? No. It's a big country out there, you know. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. What I'm about to read to you is going to infuriate you. If you're in your car, in your truck, just just hear me out. Just kind of hold tightly to the steering wheel. If you're eating dinner, put down the fork. Definitely put down the knife. Wall Street Journal, U.S. and talks to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to families separated at the border. The 
Biden administration is in talks to offer immigrant families that were separated during the Trump administration around $450,000 a person in compensation, according to people familiar with the matter. As several agencies work to resolve lawsuits filed on behalf of parents and children who say the government subjected them to lasting psychological trauma. Now, this is the American Criminal Liberties Union. These lawsuits were brought. The reason children were separated from adults is because, obviously, and we talked about it at the time, it is impossible to know if those are really the parents or if they're sexual predators or if these uh, children are being sold into the sex trade and so forth. And so you have to separate them for a period of time. And they weren't huge numbers. I mean, uh, the Trump administration did everything they could to resolve this as quickly as possible, as opposed to the Biden administration that keeps inviting and enticing people to come here by the millions. Department of Justice, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to, ready for this, close to $1 million a family. Did you see this, Rich? Though the final numbers could shift, the people familiar with the matter said, most of the families that crossed the border illegally from Mexico to seek asylum in the U.S. included one parent and one child. Many families would likely get smaller payouts depending on their circumstances. Now, can you imagine the, the incentive for people now to come into the United States? They view us as such complete suckers. The American Criminal Liberties Union, which represents families in one of the lawsuits, has identified about 5,500 children separated at the border over the course of the Trump administration, citing figures provided to it by the government. All right, let me tell you what nobody else is going to tell you. Obviously, the Biden administration should fight this in federal court to the end. For a thousand reasons. Because it's immoral to take money from you, to give it to illegal aliens who were not invited here, who voluntarily on their own came across the border or sent their children across the border, creating a, 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 a situation of anarchy that the administration tried to do the very best it could do in dealing with it. Unlike this administration, that is one in anarchy and doesn't secure the border intentionally, purposefully. But what's going on here? The Biden administration wants to give them the money. The Biden administration is populated with individuals who believe in LATCRIT. You've heard of critical race theory? This is Latino race theory. That the people coming into this country are the indigenous peoples. This is a further way to destroy border security. This is a further way to prevent the government they run from securing the border. We're now going to be paying reparations. Did you hear the word? Reparations. The individuals who came here illegally, one parent, one child, and they were separated. Were they separated out of hate? No, they were separated because we didn't know who the adult was. And if the kid actually... Look, in a lot of cases, it's not the child of the person who brings them across the border. They describe mental health problems, trauma, anxiety, fear of strangers, nightmares. So why do they keep coming? 
Uh, uh, Let's see here. It says here, the lawsuits seek a range of payouts, with the average demand being roughly $3.4 million per family. Lawyers for the families and the government have told courts overseeing the cases that they are engaged in settlement negotiations. So there's no need to be involved in settlement negotiations. There's no need to be involved in negotiations of any kind, except for the fact that this administration wants to take billions and billions of dollars out of the pockets of the American people, or further debt that will fall on the shoulders of your children and grandchildren to pay illegal aliens who came here, may I say, illegally, broke U.S. immigration law. And now they're going to be paid reparations because of negotiated settlement arrangements that are being made by the Biden administration. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't throw these bastards out, this isn't going to stop. Whether it's Virginia or New Jersey, wherever it is, this has got to end. This country is dying from within, and it's dying from within without the consent of the American people. I dare say, I dare say there's not 5% of the American people who agree that up to a million dollars should be paid to illegal aliens as reparations for them coming into the United States illegally. Not 5%. A million dollars. Because the ACLU and the radicals in the Biden administration are laughing all the way. All the way. What's a couple billion when you're spending 12 trillion? Shocking. Absolutely shocking. The truth is, if there were justice, people would be paying us for the cost Involved in securing the border, in feeding, in housing, in protecting, and then releasing into the United States. We're going to pay reparations? Is this a joke? No, it's not a joke. It's unbelievable, is what it is. Unbelievable. And now they want to spend trillions more. God knows what's in this bill that they want to pass. We sure as hell don't know. Let's see here. The potential payout could be over a billion dollars. In his first weeks in office, they write, Mr. Biden pledged to reunite the separated families. He's separating families right now. A DHS spokeswoman referred questions to the Department of Justice where a spokeswoman declined to comment. Isn't that interesting? That's why they won't comment. They don't even want you to know about it. Then they have all the discussions have been at times contentious. No, they haven't. This is an inside deal. The ACLU working with the Biden administration to rip off you and me, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer. That's what's going on. Reparations for illegal aliens? If this country survives, and it may not. This will be one of the reasons it doesn't. Can you imagine historians a thousand years from now writing about the fall of the United States, the rise and fall of Rome, the rise and fall of America? This surely will have to be one of the reasons. Open borders and reparations. And the expansion of the welfare state under the nut jobs on Capitol Hill Well, the borders are wide. Hey, Manchin, I have an idea. Wake up, pal. I have an idea, Manchin. 
Why don't you insist on securing the southern border? I bet the people of West Virginia agree with me. How the hell can you even think about expanding the welfare state, creating all these freebies without securing the border? How about that, cinema? I'll bet most of the people in Arizona agree with me. Unbelievable. Reparations? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's a mayoral race, you know, in New York City. And the candidate that I've endorsed is Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, how are you, sir? Oh, doing great, Mark. Going 24-7-365 now to November 2nd. And a lot of Levinites out there have heard you extol my character, my background, your support for me. And they come up to me and they say, hey, you know, Mark, he's like your number one supporter. So I appreciate the tactical air support, Mark. You got it, brother, because I know you'd be a great mayor. And I know the guy you're running against is a phony. I'll give you a perfect example. Has he defended the firefighters or the cops or the emergency personnel against the current mayor who's seeking to lay off, lay them off by the tens of thousands? No. No. In fact, one of the uh, female leaders of the fire department, great African-American woman, said that today in that rally that I attended. She said, how dare you, Eric Adams? You used to be a cop. You're abandoning your fellow comrades who now will be fired. There will be 10,000 less police officers if they don't take this shot by tomorrow. And they're not going to take this shot. They will, be, they will be fired. They will not be able to feed their families, pay their bills, unless they get vaccinated. And I got to tell you, we got to end these mandates. We encourage vaccination. I'm vaccinated. Most people are vaccinated. But there are people who, for religious or medical reasons, can't get vaccinated, have antibodies because they already had the coronavirus, and some who just don't trust the government. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that a crazy idea? Why would you trust the government? And so they're going to be fired. Remember, Mark Levin, after 9-11, these were the heroes. These were the men and women who put themselves in peril. Many of them died. Many of them died later from all kinds of toxins that they inhaled. Mm -hmm. They were heroes. Now we're making them zeros. This includes the police department, who, remember, had a billion dollars taken out of their budget, defunded. Mm -hmm. They were turned into zeros. And now more insults added to the injury. And teachers, municipal health care workers, same thing, they've been fired. Sanitation men. This Mayor de Blasio is like Michael Corleone in The Godfather. On his way out the door, he's settling all scores. And Eric Adams is Bill de Blasio 2.0. He agrees with this. He agrees with firing all these heroes. When I'm mayor on January 2nd, I'm bringing all these workers back. They're being rehired. They're getting back pay. And we're going to have another parade through the Canyon of Heroes for these men and women who had their rights violated. I want everyone to know that they're superheroes, not just heroes. And you know, Curtis, you make an excellent point. People have uh, medical maladies. People have religious reasons. People have antibodies, natural antibodies, because they had the virus. And then you've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. Isn't the whole point, if I'm vaccinated, 
then I shouldn't have to worry that much? Isn't that the whole point of being vaccinated, whether it's the flu, whether it's uh, whatever it is, chicken pox? Let me, let me tell you, Mark, how crazy this has gotten. Last Saturday, I went to vote at a polling location, early voting. I didn't have to show a vaccine card. I didn't have to show personal ID. Imagine the privilege that you demand that you show some form of ID. Went across the street with my wife, Nancy, got a burger and some fries. Before I could do that, I had to show a vaccine passport and personal ID. There is something out of whack with all of that. And plus, if I wanted to go to New Jersey instead of New York City, I don't have to show any identification to go to a restaurant. We are crushing small businessmen, small businesswomen. We are draining the life out of New York City that is in need of life support. That's why people have to elect me mayor, because I will revive the city with common sense. Eric Adams will just continue the Democratic domination that has led us to slide into the abyss. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of Democrats in New York City. And the Democrats in New York City, if you listen to this program, you need to understand something. These are not the Democrats of old. You're electing radicals. And if these people aren't, oh, Eric Adams isn't a radical, well, who do you think he's going to answer to? Radicals. Look at, look at this guy, Biden. He's, uh, he's Bernie Sanders dressed up in a nursing home outfit. That's what he is. Look at, look at this Eric Adams. Do you think Eric Adams is going to be some kind of a moderate? Of course he's not going to be some kind of a moderate. He's going to be, if he's not of the left, he's going to be pulled to the left, right? Mark, uh, this past uh, Tuesday, I had the final debate with him on the Channel 7 stage, ABC stage, and I knocked him out right out of the box. Do you know that Eric Adams acknowledged that he has met with what they call gang leaders with bodies? That's street terminology for gang leaders who have killed people. He Mm -hmm. said he's met with them on a number of occasions, wants to incorporate them into public safety at City Hall if he's elected mayor, and yet has not once met with any of the police unions. How can you be law and order? When you're meeting with domestic terrorists who have killed people and you want to elevate them so that they're equal to the police. And yet he won't tell us which gang members he met, what gangs he met with and what promises he gave them. And I'm telling you, uh, this is what you do with gang members, especially if they're murderers. You lock them up, throw away the key, you remand Mm -hmm. them to jail, no bail. They'll never see the light of day. That's the difference between Curtis Lee and Eric Adams. And what's Adams' plan to keep people in New York so they're not all running to Florida? What's he going to do about that? Nothing. Well, in fact, he said if he's elected on January 2nd, he's not even going to be in New York. He's coming down to Florida. He's going to tell them, you can all come back to New York now. And I'm saying, he's already on a junket. It's like he won the Super Bowl. And say, Eric, what are you going to do? Oh, going to Disney World. Yeah. And then from there, he wants to go to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, where he'll be wine-dined and pocket-lined by lobbyists who obviously are out out offshore where they can do that. And then he, he gave Bill de Blasio a B-plus in the debate. A B-plus. Mm. I wish I had him as a teacher when I wasn't doing too well in yeah. high school <laughs> who believes in social promotion. How much coverage did this debate get in the local press in New York City? Oh, it got a lot of coverage because it was like mixing ammonia and bleach. I was Adam right, right out of the box. Here it is, Mark Levin, two years. We still don't know where this guy lives. Still don't know where he lives. 
and then he's in trouble with the IRS on two occasions for filing uh, information that was incorrect and could cause him serious civil problems with the IRS, and he blamed it on a homeless man that he used as his accountant, not once, but twice. And I said on the stage, gee, I hope if you're lucky enough to become mayor, you don't hire him as the budget director for New York City with a $100 billion budget, more than the state of Florida combined. Why would you have a homeless person do your taxes? You know, you know that that's hiding behind a homeless guy who can't answer for himself. This was Eric Adams gaming the system. He lives in an illegally converted basement apartment, he claims, in Brooklyn. The Department of Buildings has putting up notices to the borough president. You've you got you to answer these charges. You are, you are living in an illegally converted basement, which, as you know, is very dangerous. In the last series of floods in New York City, it led to 13 people, uh, unfortunately, perishing because of the dangers of an illegally converted basement. I'm telling you, this guy is an enigma, and more importantly, depending on what audience he's talking to, he says to them whatever he thinks they want. All right, Curtis, there's still time for people to help you. Where do they go? Just go to CurtisSlewaForMayor.com. That's CurtisSlewaForMayor.com. All right, good luck, my friend. You take care of yourself. You know, you got to have courage. You really do have to have strength to run in a city that's like five to one Democrat. But you got to fight these people. And that's what Curtis is doing. We'll be right back. Just in time for Halloween, the Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi nightmare continues. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Yeah, but those aren't masks. They were born with those faces. Now, uh, the first responders. Remember how we used to celebrate them? Remember how we used to celebrate these people? 9-11 and thereafter. Remember how we used to celebrate the grocery workers? Now it's, yeah, fire the bastards. Who cares if they go? I just wish there was a way to target those who have that attitude so that they would have no police support, no firefighter support, and no emergency personnel support. So they were on their own. Because as a result of these policies, that a-hole mayor in New York, and he's not alone, these governors and so forth, and and the dummy that just flew off to Europe, the mannequin, they're going to get people killed. It's because of their policies that crime is through the roof. And now when you call, you need an ambulance, and usually a fire truck or two comes with them, or... Or if you have a fire or something like that, it's not going to be answered, or it's not going to be answered as quickly. That's what's going on. They are nationalizing Minneapolis. They are nationalizing and imposing it on the whole country. These are ideologues, these mayors. They are Marxists. They are Democrats. They don't care about human beings. They care about government. They care about programs. They care about having the power to re-engineer a society. They don't care about individuals. They could care less. 
talk about the middle class. They're worried about the middle class. They're worried about blue-collar workers. They call you white supremacists, even if you're not white. They just jacked up your gas prices by critically attacking our fossil fuels industry. Illegal aliens are pouring into our country. MS-13, sex trades going on, drugs by the God knows how much. But even if none of that were occurring, we have a right to decide who comes and who doesn't. I'm just telling you folks, people getting fired if they're 10, 20, 30, 40 years on the job? Matter of fact, I'm going to switch course here, Mr. Producer. I want to do two things here. DeSantis. First of all, you know what's going on in Florida, ladies and gentlemen? Florida now has the lowest coronavirus case rate in the entire country. DeSantis has an open economy, an open school system. He's crushing the teachers' unions. He will not tolerate firing of firefighters and police officers and emergency personnel, people who don't have vaccinations. He encourages them, but he also really does understand science. If you've had this virus, you have the antibodies, there's no reason to take the vaccine. Period. And if you've been vaccinated, we're told you're safe. A small percentage of people, as we know, are not. But the vast majority are. Now, DeSantis, who has the freest state as a result of his policies, now has the lowest coronavirus case rate in the entire country. Which is why they don't report it. Without mandates or lockdowns, without mask requirements, it's the lowest And hospitalizations have plummeted in the state of Florida. And they have a fairly senior population. How does it happen? He says it's been accomplished by, among other things, monoclonal antibody treatments and vaccines widely available throughout the state while protecting Floridians from government overreach. That's the answer. But not in Washington, not in these damn blue states, not by these Marxist politicians. It's the lowest in the country, which is why mumbleface, Biden never brings it up anymore. The lowest in the country. And yet, look at this. It's unbelievable. You have people who actually were saving the city on 9-11 being fired today. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci is with Katie Couric yesterday. She is a complete thug, and yet so is he. And nobody has asked Anthony Fauci, how do you explain the results in Florida? How do you explain them? Because he can't. Can't explain how little puppy beagles are being killed under his watch? Tortured. Or how that Wuhan lab, the leak, that we funded in part through another left-wing group out of New York, But listen to this. Here's Fauci. Cut 17. Go. We know we can deal with the Delta variant really quite well. My concern is that if we allow there to be smoldering infection into the fall and into the winter because those 93 million people 
are not getting vaccinated. Ladies and gentlemen, the vast majority of those 93 million people who have not been vaccinated have had the virus. So he's a liar. He needs to get the hook. He needs to get the hell out of there. He's been in Washington as long as Dumbo. Uh, That is Biden. This guy, he uh, peddles falsehoods, half-truths. I can get you expert after expert out of Yale, out of Stanford, out of Princeton. Expert after expert out of Oxford. I'll tell you this guy's off his rocker. Yes. And the media, the media lie. These media shows, CNN and MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, these morning, they just lie and lie and lie. So I'm calling on them all. Can you please explain Florida? The guy from Deliverance, the morning schmoke, can you explain Florida? And Deliverance's wife, can you explain Florida? How about fake tapper? How about D. Lemon? How about uh, Fredo? Well, Fredo's got other issues now. Over there at MSLSD, a lineup of frauds and freaks and phonies. They can't explain Florida. They don't even want to talk about Florida right now. Why the hell do you think people are talking with their feet? Big time. The Attorney General of the United States a.k.a. Uh, one of the uh, campaign leaders for uh, Biden, was really taken over the hot coals the other day by a series of excellent uh, questions. And let's start with Senator Tom Cotton. Cut 22, go. You've cited as the basis for that directive the National School Board Association's letter of September 29th. Was that directive being prepared before September 29th, before the School Board Association letter was issued? I don't believe so. Certainly, I didn't have any idea. So it was only prepared at... Okay, I think that answers the question. I already answered that so, question So you, you keep citing the school board letter and news reports. That's news right. Re- One of the news right. reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia. No, that's Scott, not... That is not um, uh, what I was talking about. Well, it, about you keep citing news reports, and no. that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone who's... A uh, child was raped as uh, is a, the most horrific crime I can imagine, and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to c- protest to their school board about that. But he was cited is, by the school board association that's fine, as a domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your. De- no, th- this no, is Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's not. Th- cr- thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that, should resign in disgrace, Judge. Excellent. And so true. Senator Josh Hawley, cut 23, go. Several of my Democrat colleagues have today, just today in this hearing, multiple times have compared parents who show up at school board meetings, like Mr. Smith here, have compared them to criminal rioters. 
You think that's right? You think that a parent who shows up at a school board meeting, who has a complaint, who wants to voice that complaint, and maybe she doesn't use exactly the right grammar, you think they're akin to criminal rioters? Do you agree with that? I do not, and I do not remember any senator here making that comparison. Oh, really? These people are just like the folks who came here on January 6th and in, in, in the riot at the Capitol? I don't think it was, they were referring to the picture that you're showing there. Well, I certainly would hope not, but they were referring to parents who go to school board meetings. Mr. Smith is a parent who went to a school board meeting. I'll leave it at this, General Garland. You have weaponized the FBI and the Department of Justice. Your U.S. attorneys are now collecting and cataloging all the ways that they might prosecute parents like Mr. Smith because they want to be involved in their children's education and they want to have a say in their elected officials. It's wrong. It is unprecedented to my knowledge in the history of this country. And I call on you to resign. Ted Cruz, cut 24, go. A big part of this, this letter is that they're upset about parents not wanting critical race theory taught. Your son-in-law makes a very substantial sum of money from a company involved in the teaching of critical race theory. Did you seek and receive a decision from an ethics advisor at the Department of Justice before you carried out an action that would have a predictable financial benefit to your son-in-law? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats. I just violence. asked a question. Did you it seek has an ethics? No predictable. Did you seek an ethics opinion? It has no. Did you seek an ethics opinion? Judge, you know how to ask questions and answer them. Did you seek an ethics opinion? You asked me whether I sought an ethics opinion about something that would have a predictable effect on something. This has no predictable effect in the way that you're talking about. So, if critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more this money? Memo has nothing. If critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more money? Yes or no. This memo memorandum has nothing to do with critical race theory Will you answer or if you any sought an ethics kind opinion? of curriculum. Will you that, answer if you sought an ethics opinion? I am opinion? answering the best I can. Seek an ethics opinion. This memorandum has Did nothing... Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has nothing to do with... General, are you refusing theory. to answer if you sought an ethics opinion? I'm telling you that there's no possible... So you're saying no. Just answer it directly. You know how to answer a question directly. I'm Did you seek an ethics opinion. I'm telling you that if I thought there was any reason to believe there was a conflict of interest, I would do that, but I cannot Why do you refuse to answer the question? Why won't you just say no? I'm sorry. You're not going to answer the question? I'm sorry. Say, ask the question again. Did you seek an ethics opinion? I'm saying again, I would seek an ethics opinion in So no is the answer, correct? What? There was a Senator, your time is up. Let the record reflect the Attorney General refuses to answer whether he thought, sought an ethics opinion, and apparently ethics are not a terribly high priority in the Biden Justice Department. That was a great job by those three senators, so we salute them. Absolutely outstanding. And, of course, the Democrats have no problem with this. Keep that in mind, Virginia. Keep that in mind. The Democrats are all for silencing parents. The Democrats have no problem with the memorandum coming out of the federal Department of Justice, threatening parents and other citizens and other taxpayers with the National Security Division, the Criminal Division, the Executive Office of the United States Attorneys, the Civil Rights Division, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, all coming down on their heads. Oh, and a hotline, the domestic terrorist hotline, which will double as a phone that you can use to report parents. That's the Democrat Party. You think about that, Virginia, when you go to the voting polls on Tuesday. And the rest of the country, you think about that too. 
If you've been a lifelong Democrat, you need to rethink that. This party is a totalitarian party that's being led by the radical Marxists. They don't care about workers, union or non-union. They don't care about the cost of energy. They don't care about inflation. They don't care about securing the border against illegal immigration. They're fully out of the closet. And they're showing you everything they have. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, this guy, Mark Elias, who I've told you about, the sleazeball lawyer, and that shows you a lot that Terry McAuliffe would hire this guy, of all people, particularly when he's been sanctioned by a court and his partner's under federal investigation. Fox News reached out for a comment from the McAuliffe campaign, and his spokeswoman, Christina Frundlich, sent an email intended for other people, not Fox, and the email said, can we try to kill this? So the McAuliffe campaign wanted to kill the fact that they hired this guy uh, because this guy challenges election results. So I just want the people of America and especially the people of Virginia to understand what McAuliffe's up to. How sleazy he is. And it won't be covered by CNN or MSNBC or the New York Times or the Washington Post, which is the local paper, really. It won't be covered by them. It will by the Washington Times or the Washington Examiner, I assume. They're good papers. But it just shows you what's going on. He didn't want anyone to know. We don't want the story to get out that we hired Elias. And they tried to kill it. They wanted to kill it. But they accidentally sent that email to, among others, Fox. Why do they want to kill that story? America? Because it's obvious what McCulloch intends. Please, if you have a moment, and if you haven't done it yet, go to Amazon.com. The program's ending. Get your copies of American Marxism for the holidays or for yourselves. Any parent that's attending these school board meetings, any taxpayer who's wondering what's taking place, you must have friends and family members, maybe kids. It would serve them well if you got them a copy of American Marxism. It's still 40% off. It's under 17 bucks, 16 bucks and change. Jump in now. Now, before it's too late. We salute all you heroes out there, each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.